Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. We are here to help and encourage you to enjoy your adventure with Jesus. I'm your host, Kevin Senapati-Ratna. Let the journey begin. Welcome to episode 21 of the Christ Connection Podcast. My name is Kevin Senapati-Ratna, and I think you're going to like this one. My guest today is President Scott Hagen of North Central University. Now, North Central is the college that I went to back in the day, so on a personal level, this was a lot of fun. You get to sit down with President Hagen, or El Presidente. <laughs> uh, he's the author of six books, including The Language of Influence and Personal Power, and before he was at North Central. Uh, he and his wife Karen planted and pastored multiple churches across the country. Uh, Pre- President Scott holds a master's degree in organizational leadership from Azusa Pacific University and is currently working toward a doctorate in leadership studies at Gonzaga University. Now, this is a fun conversation. It gives lots of practical advice on managing the transitions of life and really any change for that matter that you're going through. So just grab a hold of that. Then his advice on the relationships we need in life uh, is just gold. I I see myself using his framework on feedback for years to come. Uh, A couple notes on the sound. First, President Hagen, and he mentions this kind of at the end, uh, was dealing with some sort of cold, uh, but I think he did a great job. I just want to put that out there at the beginning. Uh, Also want to apologize. I used some new microphone stands and there seems to be some extra background noise so as i've said from episode zero i'm learning on this and so uh, i learned some more (laughs) Uh, but i I think it's a great conversation and there's a lot of takeaways so without further ado my conversation with president scott hagan all right uh, president hagan welcome to the show no kevin honored to be with you and excited for our conversation Yes, it's been uh, uh, about a year and a half now. You've been president of North Central, or two years. What's the uh, technical well, timeline here? From the actual time of the superintendent of Iowa mentioning it to me after uh, the district council service in Des Moines that the, uh, Gordon had, the previous president, had resigned or retired and that he thought I would be a fit for the job. From that conversation, it's been two full years. Okay. Um, no, excuse me almost three years wow uh, because the search process then took another uh, year and then i was came in 2017 so actually from that comment forward i've thought about the job every day so i think i've been in the job for three years (laughs) but i went on the official um uh took the official responsibility in uh june of 2017 so a year and a half ago and I, I've been, as an alumni, I've been following uh, from a distance, so I, watching, and I've been excited, uh, all that you brought to the position. Uh, it's been, uh, uh, I mean, at least from an outside observer, it's been, yeah, it's been fun to, to watch. No, it's a blessing, and, and uh, President Gordon Anderson really did uh, hand me and leave me a tremendous situation. Um, and we're having, matter of fact, on March 15th is Gordon Anderson Day. We're having him back on that Friday to do chapel and uh, bringing it back on campus. But I love him dearly. I owe a lot of the early wins and success that we're seeing to Gordon Anderson. And uh, before we start, I mentioned that I'd love to talk a little bit about the whole idea of transition because whether you're a you know, stay-at-home mom who's going to a new church, that's transition. Whether you're joining a small group, that's a transition. Uh, businesses go through the 
transition's a part of life, whether whatever your context in following Jesus. And so uh, you've just gone through the, <laughs> through the yeah. water, you're in the midst of the waters yeah. there. Uh, I loved at the, uh, I don't know if it's like the, your first presidential letter, uh, you talked about the idea of uh, a dock and uh, you have ways of getting into the water. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, I, I love that picture. Uh, could you talk about uh, your choices when it comes to uh, transition and uh, kind of how that unpacks? You know, it's a great question, and we didn't dialogue about this before we, we started our, our podcast, but that's actually a huge focus of my dissertation right now um, that I'm, uh, Lord willing, going to complete here this year. Um, but there's a great Latin word. It's called liminal, not lemon, but liminal. It's L-I-M-I-N-A-L. Liminal is a Latin word that means threshold. And it's the word used for a doorway, a threshold from this room to that room. You know, a lot of us, you know, ministry's busy, life's busy, um, and we're always on the move. But, but doing the same thing in a different location is really not a transition at this level. This is a completely new thing in a different location. And so it has all the elements, all the, uh, the pitfalls, all the emotional insecurities that come with a genuine transition in life. And this has been one of those pivots and transitions. But liminal is um, a fascinating space. It's, it's, it has to do with your decision-making and your emotional stability as you go from this to that. And the unique thing about this role is that it's almost like an NFL coach who takes over a team and has a long-range plan, but you have to play games. You know, the season's starting, so you have your roster. we got to play while we're planning the long range. Uh, there's actual meaningful things happening. So in this role, you have to, you're a decision maker as a president. Um, you smile on things. You bless things. You innovate things. You offer things. Uh, you pause things in this role. And um, you have to do that without status. And, with, and it's very disorienting in the liminal, the threshold space, because I've never been a president of a university. So my life is merely words. It's merely aspiration. It's merely people's imagined idea of what you could do here. And so you're in that space, and it's a space without, that's a space without status. You really, your reputation is not in doing this. It comes from some other place that they're applying to the possibility of this. And yet you have to make decisions, hard decisions, immediately. And it's a disorientating space, this transition. And you have to deeply lay hold of God's calling on your life. Uh, you have to still be led by a burden, not a, you know, you can speak out of a dream, but it's a burden. If you speak from the burden place, and the burden is this generation of leaders the condition of our world that needs a new generation of great leaders. And so as long as I keep it simple, then it's working. <laughs> is that, uh, you talked about the emotion of that. Is any advice for some, uh, I mean, for how to process that emotion? Uh, yes, you have to be very comfortable in, in your unknowingness, meaning, <laughs> uh, meaning that if you are, if you really are an insecure individual, if you have the weight of and the stewardship of a large institution and you step through this liminal threshold and you have to lead from that space while your reputation is being formed through your decision making um, <clears throat> if you're insecure it's 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 filled with landmines uh, because the feedback loops are different in this space and you have your own uncertainty whether you're making a right decision i would say this too 
that the difference between pastoring a church and leading a university is there's not the space to really think about your decision. I had as a pastor, I could think about it for a while. Here, the planes uh, back up on the on the runway, so you're like air traffic control. So now you're making personnel decisions, budget decisions, philosophical a call, you know, a decision, and you're making it much faster. So you're not certain you're making the right decision because your normal pattern of reflection has been disrupted. And so where I would get counsel, I would maybe bounce it off a few more people, see their how they reacted to it. All that informed my decision. Now you're just making faster decisions. Is that just a skill set then? I mean, that you just have to get used to? I mean, I, that, that seems crazy to me as yeah. far as a, a, if you don't have the time to process. The, <clears throat> is that intuitive leadership yeah. just comes to the forefront at that point? I, I do believe so, and I do deeply believe in being full of the Holy Spirit that there's a discernment, there's a sense about things. But yes, I think it is a skill set that you learn over time. It's, it's, a, it's a marriage of the intuitive as well as being able to quickly gather your experiences, um, your previous settings, because you bring a wealth, you know, almost four decades of experiences of problem solving, people, personalities, um, d uh, decisions between this or that. All that quickly floods the database and you have a sense. But I will, will say that I have, I've hit pause on a few decisions, you know, and I said, I, I don't really, I don't, I can't get this in my gut yet. So let's just wait another couple of days on this. And I've, so I've reverted back to, to being more patient than reactive and more thoughtful. I, I stare at people more now um, where I'm thinking before I speak. You know, one of my sayings is think twice, speak once instead of speak twice, think once. Um, but it is, I think it is an acquired, cultivated skill set of leadership. Uh, and you, uh, I haven't mentioned up to this point, uh, your latest book, The Language of Influence and Personal Power. It's all uh, great quotes uh, throughout there. And I don't know if this particular one, I just heard uh, you say it, uh, and I actually send it to myself on a regular basis. Uh, uh, transition is complicated because it's hard to locate the relationships. Uh, I, from a relational standpoint, oh, uh, since it's hard to locate those relationships, uh, how do how do you recommend? Uh, you know, again, probably not. People aren't not a lot of people are becoming university presidents, but uh, they still have uh, relationships that are. Uh, uh, any advice on how to uh, navigate those relationship part of it? Um, so yes, it's a great question. So in this particular context, uh, I had a year and a half to think about the job before I started the job. It's a very slow process to be selected as a college president. It's very methodical, uh, and it's completely different than how they pick pastors. So you've got this slow grind of, of um, months and months and months in which you're submitting writings, you're having conversations with people. So in that, that discovery phase, I'm beginning to locate uh, relationships. What do I mean by that? someone that I can open up uh, my inner life to, um, my unfinished business, my, the questions I have not answered yet, trusting that they'll do the right thing with that information. So you're beginning to locate that. How do you do that? Well, you feel a warmth uh, with that person, a camaraderie. You have some shared experiences. You test the waters a little bit. 
um, in your leisure, fun uh, time, and you begin to get a sense that this person is trustworthy. They have my best interests at hand, not theirs. And I want them to know that I have their best interests in mind, not my, not my own. And once two people collide and they really have the other person's best interest or the larger interest, in this case of North Central University, that drives them, um, then that comfortability level begins to, now you're locating the relationships. And now you have counselors and you have friends and you have uh, these connections that are replenishing in your life with people. Uh, those are the relationships you're trying to locate. Transition's tough. That liminal threshold is tough because when you're disorientated and you're without status in that quick space, um, you, you don't know who to talk to. Um, you don't know which voice is trusted in your life. And that takes time and it's hit and miss and you make some mistakes, <clears throat> but you've got to trust that God is giving you the uh, the resources of relationships, not just money, to pull this job off. Well, that's I suppose the favor of the Lord. You're you're leaning into yeah. that as you yeah. as you you're in any situation of relationship. There has to be that that place of uh, <coughs> resting in God and knowing that He, <laughs> because otherwise, he, like you, using again your analogy, you, you yeah. jumped off the dock rather than walked yeah. in uh, on the side and yeah. slowly acclimatize yourself. So, uh, with uh, that in mind, any recent uh, transition lessons? I mean, now two, two and a half, three years in. Uh, and you said you're, I don't know if it was before we hit record, but yeah. you're kind of in the midst, halfway yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, is there lessons that kind of come over time? You're still in the water, but. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. And I think fundamentally is don't draw conclusions too quickly about people or situations just to prove that you're a leader. You have to resist the temptation just to make, create decisions that you're making to show you're strong or that you can, that you're able and you don't, it's impossible to get to be fully informed about that person's, the chemistry, the connection I have with that person. Do they have the goods? Do they carry a lot of trauma inside of them, organizational trauma, uh, that they're not going to be able to free themselves of? And they're just going to always carry that residue. Um, so I always want to give people. Uh, a chance to grow into the new season with me. So you give it a year and you observe and you see people who are really ready for change and ready uh, to be uh, mentored and shaped and influenced by new leadership in their life and other people who are stubborn and bitter and hold trauma inside and will not allow themselves to be healed. They won't, they won't go through the healing process professionally. You know, I, I tell people there's kind of three uh, uh, ways that I look at flaws. So we all have a flaw. And this relates to uh, a transition lesson I have. I have a flaw. You have a flaw. Your flaw is your embedded deficiency. It's a God-given shortcoming that no matter what you do, it's, it's a birthmark um, that people see as ugly, but it's a beauty mark to some people. But some people see a birthmark. Others see a beauty mark. But the, the, the flaw, you have to be whimsical and at ease with your flaws. There's things that we're not effective at that other people are highly effective at. But if you're not whimsical about your flaw, then you're going to be prideful. You're going to be reactive. You're going to be rigid. 
and people are going to walk on eggshells around you because they just don't bring up that topic. But when you can laugh at yourself, you're at ease with what you're not good at. That's the healthiest way to approach your flaw. The, the next dimension is the fundamental flaw. The fundamental flaw is a behavior that can transform, but people rarely transform their, their fundamental flaw because it doesn't cost you your career, but it costs you your potential. And so that fundamental flaw, people that work with you can live with your fundamental flaw because you bring a greater contribution than deficit to the organization. So you're not going to lose your job. But very few people get into their space of between who they are currently and the potential for who they can become. That's where the fundamental flaw operates. And close that gap because they're, they're not whimsical about their flaws. They're not at ease with what they're not good at. So when it comes to a fundamental flaw, which is something that can change, they don't welcome the feedback loops. Uh, they've not, because when you're not whimsical about your flaws, you pull away. You don't want to be around people. You, 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 you're always calculating. So when you need relationships to close the gap of the fundamental flaw, those people aren't in your life. There's no feedback loops. There, and very, very few people ask the question, Kevin, hey, what do you see in my life that's keeping me from reaching my potential? And then they, can you shut up for 20 minutes and let that person talk? <laughs> very few leaders have the courage to ask that question. And that's why their fundamental flaws are never addressed. And so they keep their jobs, but they never reach their potential. And then the last one is in the flaw uh, spectrum is what I call the fatal flaw. The fatal flaw is a behavior that costs you everything. Because at some point, and it usually, it emerges slowly but arrives with a vengeance, usually in your 50s and 60s or 70s. And it's where people finally say, I can't, I don't want to be in your presence. You, you, your behavior is so ugly, is so consistently uh, um, drains the life out of the team that I can't ride the elevator with you anymore. Because, you know, leadership's about getting in a small elevator with a group of people going up and down day-to-day <laughs> day -day basis. And people say, man, you're fatal flaw. I don't want to be around you anymore. And it's very sad when you're around somebody in their 50s and 60s and nobody desires their presence. And But it all, I think it all goes back to the absence of being whimsical about your flaws. Not having feedback loops in your fundamental flaws ultimately grow into a fatal flaw. And it's sad. It doesn't have to happen. But I have learned that there are people... Um, that are not at ease with their flaws. They have no feedback loops in their fundamental flaws. And you can see where they're arcing, and you just, it's sad. It's like watching a plain nosedive. Wow, that's, that's fascinating. Hey. So, I mean, so what you're advising is, uh, I mean, first, you know, just, so I'm getting this, uh, yeah. is uh, that, first of all, you can't take yourself too seriously. Uh, and so finding, comfort with that yeah. uh, and then uh, creating the relationships where people can speak into so that you don't get to that point but how uh, is is that again the same relational stuff that you were talking about before as far as uh, getting those people into your life that can speak to you or you just you know, first just build a fundamental I mean that that whimsicalness right yeah. is that kind of the steps <laughs> yes and you've got to the other great thing which we kind of missed in talk about relationships, locating relationships in transition, is you have to bring all your relationships with you. Now, they don't come in a geographical proximity to you, but you have to bring your relationships with you. This is one of the great breakdowns of modern leadership with the constant mobility of people, the breakdown of family, children not growing up with a connection to their grandparents, so there's no intergenerational reality for them, so there's no storytelling. 
how does that play itself out play itself out in professional life kingdom life church life is that is that um, I don't see a necessity I don't feel the absence of lifelong relationships that were there before I came and that will be there after I leave so I tell students young people and young leaders you know, when I, I was 20, I had a friend that was 30, a friend that was 40, a friend that was 50, a friend that was 60. I saw my life in 10-year increments for the next 50 years. I saw a healthy Christian that was 30 when I was 20 with small kids. Okay, that's what that looks like. I saw a 40-year-old with teenagers. That's what that looks like. I saw a 50-year-old uh, with kids leaving for college and maybe some grandkids. I saw a 60-year-old with, with grandkids and maybe even a widower or a widower. So I saw what it was going to look like having that framework has been emotionally good in my life. You take away all that intergenerational relationships if you don't bring the relationships with you. Fascinating thing the other day, I, I, I posted something, hey, I'm doing something, can you pray? The first five posts on Facebook, a kid from my youth group from the 80s, someone from Harvest Church in the 90s, someone from Grand Rapids in 2000, someone from Real Life Church in Sacramento from five years ago, and then a student here. Wow. So my life was really reflected in those five responses on Facebook because we've brought our life with us as we go. So even though you're locating new relationships, I don't mean that what, what stabilizes is that you have this wealth of relational connectivity with you. Phone call away, text away. Um, even though they're not in the setting, they're with you in heart. You can talk with them. But if you just keep moving on from people, cutting them off, and every day, every year, you're starting with a brand new set of relationships and bringing no history with you, you are going to be lost. Were you in, and I think I've heard you speak on this, but were you intentional about having those generations or did that just kind of happen and now you're reflecting on it and saying that was a good thing in my life? Yes, um, I was not intentional. But what I was is I was open. I could... I established them. I was not resistant to them. I didn't understand them until I'm in my reflective consciousness space, looking back at my life, saying, wow, that was a life saver. That was a game changer. I see that now. Now I can actually, because you, you know, all teaching is you spot a pattern, a phenomenon, and then you, you identify that pattern, and then you go back and you explain it in simple language, and you can teach the pattern. Um, so now... I didn't know it was going on when it was happening, but but I was open to older people in my life. That's why it did happen, even though that's the intentionality I had. So, I, I, I mean, would you recommend, uh, now looking back teaching it, would you recommend, uh, is it kind of create a framework for yourself saying, I, I need to be open to relationships like that or be more in, intentional and yes. kind of go yes. that Yes, be more intentional. It's like, you know, you learn about health and, you know, eating. And, you know, back in the 70s, I remember being a kid, nobody cared about their health. Um, and then in the 80s, it started. So now you understand it more. Now you teach it. You need to care about your health. And I think that for me, those early relationships, seeing the future through others in a healthy way, and then bringing my relationships with me, even into my new thresholds of opportunity. So... You know, my kids in my youth group from the 80s are so excited I became president of this university. So that, that is awesome. And that 
upholds me. And here's another piece too, Kevin, is, you know, the one year and a half of vetting uh, the presidency when they were going through the candidates. And they, they, they take your life back to college. I mean, <laughs> now we've seen in politics, it's high school. I, I joked and said, hey, listen, it, the, the, this stops at high school, right? The blood of Jesus. <laughs> high school's under the blood. If high school's in play, then I don't think anyone can lead. Um, and so what, um, what happened is, is because I have had um, fundamentally my wife and I committed to uh, being kind to people, treating people well, that reputation waiting for us now, there was no, nobody could sabotage this opportunity. Like he'd be, he'd be great at this. And it's not because I'm great. It's because, you know, your reputation is based on two things, you know, keeping your promises and keeping your cool. And we basically kept our cool uh, for 40 years and we smiled and listened to other people's life stories. And somehow the cumulative effect of that um, swung the doors wide open. Um, and people from high school to now said, we are so happy for you that this happened rather than how, what do you guys know what you got in this idiot? Um, and I know that sounds self-righteous. I want to be very careful how, because I even sound self-righteous is coming out of my mouth because I'm not, I'm not a, a godly, perfect human being, you know, in that sense. Um, but I will say, I do recognize that Karen and I, we could take correction. We had good mentors and we never torched relationships. And man, in your 50s, the convergence of that goodwill, I wish I could explain it to younger readers. Well, there's a, I, I love that, a cumulative effect of life, that there's kind of a, things that you don't realize uh, make an impact yeah. uh, 20 years uh, from now. Uh, but kind of flipping that a little bit, since you've gotten here, again, as an alumni just watching from the distance, uh, there's an energy. Now, this is not taking away from Dr. Anderson. I love Dr. Anderson. Oh, but but there's the a uh, you, you've brought in an energy to the whole life. Well, again, from the outside, it looks yeah. like there's a new level of energy. Uh, was that a an intentional or is that just kind of your personality that's who you are and so it just kind of spread around uh, I, I think probably at this stage in your 50s uh, it's impossible to fake that <laughs> um, that either is your uh, life message your life um, story your, your your capacity your competency it's impossible it would be impossible it's not coming from a meeting like, hey, let's be intentional. We got to raise the energy levels here. <laughs> um, no, that just comes from pure excitement over the job, the school, the students, the city, the mission, the history, the potential, all of it. It just comes from a genuine place, and people pick up on it, and they they lean toward that. Um, now you have to deliver. You can't sabotage that with stupid decisions and. <laughs> Um, you still have to raise money. You have to balance the budget. You have to have enrollment growth. So there's systems um, that have got to be effective. So, yeah, you get a, you get a little bit of time just to high-five and hug everybody and uh, say it's going to be great. That's part of the liminal space, the disorientation without status. And then as you begin to produce academic results, you know, maintaining an excellent, sophisticated university system, uh, that the degree matters, whether you are going to General Mills or whether you're going to launch the Live Dead movement. You know, 
so this degree, the type of student that comes here has to have a sophistication of leadership for this day and age um, that is real. You can't just have them come and then word out there is these graduates are just missing the mark. <laughs> and that's certainly not the case of NCU. They've watered the earth with great leaders. Um, but no, it's a genuine uh, excitement inside my heart for this moment in life. Uh, I may get the phrase wrong, but I've heard you uh, uh, on multiple occasions talk about uh, uh, strong biblical scholarship and a uh, kind of a flaming Pentecostal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, that's one of the things I think you're, you're bringing to the yeah. table. Uh, can you talk about kind of what you envision that looking yeah. like? Uh, the phrase is scholarship and fire. We, oh, we, 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 uh, <laughs> that if you ask students, if you ask um, teachers, alumni, I want them to be able to, from the heart, say what the, what's NCU, what makes it special. It's it's the 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 premier downtown university of scholarship and fire uh, for Christian schools. And so, um, I see a great blend. Uh, I see the Daniel five twelve leader as the model. Um, Daniel uh, was in his eighties. And uh, we want you to graduate before you're 80. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the story, the king of Babylon, grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, he's writing on the wall. No one can interpret it. And he, they said, well, there's a guy with a reputation down in the dungeon. Let's go grab that old guy. And literally, Daniel had not been heard from in 20 years. Pull him out of the dungeon. That reputation was still robust 20 years after he had last been uh, evident in Babylon. People don't know he was 80 when this happened. Daniel was in his 80s when he was thrown in the lion's den. It's not a teenage story. Now, there's lots of teenage, but people lose sight of the, of the, of the chronology of the book of Daniel. And so uh, he, he says he has a keen mind. Uh, he has a reputation for a keen mind. He can interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. So those are the three uh, components of the keen mind, the ability to see the future, the ability to um, untangle complexity, uh, allocate assets. He can explain riddles. This is, and then then solving difficult problems was bringing civility between adversaries. He can he can solve problems between people, and so um, that's the graduate we want. We want to understand deeply the language of the Babylonians, but not its idolatry. So we have a comprehensive school with our arts and sciences and with um, education and sports management, you know, and then of course um, our uh, bread and butter of ministry and worship and missions. But all of those are the same to me uh, in the sense that all of these leaders are being raised up to be Daniel 512 leaders in this culture and uh, whether it's in banking or church planting and I think it can be done, and I think we're seeing that beautiful incubator here. We want every student to know how to share their faith on a daily basis, um, have a love for the local church, and a love for building a great family, um, as well as their becoming the top in their field. I, I guess I have to ask this just because uh, it's not necessarily in the notes, but because you're talking about that. Uh, is there something you're super excited about kind of just around the corner yeah. for North Central, uh, what God's doing? Yes. I mean, we've gone through two things. Is is I really feel one of the reasons I'm here is to get the buildings right for the next 100 years. Um, so right now the theme is the decade ahead. 
and it is really the next 10 years will determine the next 100 years of the university. And my heart is to get these buildings correct. Some of the buildings are not um, adequate for the next century. And so um, some may be standing. And so we've gone through a methodical uh, master facility planning process this last year, very detailed with DLR, a top company. And they have given us a wonderful idea of how the university campus can emerge, what is, what is sustainable, what's not sustainable, and how to transform this into the premier downtown Christian university in the United States. Um, and so I want to get those, those facilities right. And then, then we have some new exciting uh, programs we're, we're launching into the biological sciences, which is a huge step. And into a lot of, um, and with that, developing a stronger uh, degree program into the uh, medical field. We have, you know, our relationship with Hennepin County uh, Hospital, with the Mayo Clinic. Uh, of course, Minneapolis is a great business center, and it's a great medical uh, city. And so we want our university, since it's situated here, to be effective at raising up spirit-filled Daniel 512 leaders in medicine, business, of course, pastoring. I tell people, some of you in this room are going to uh, plant the church, and some of you are going to build it. Uh, <laughs> and so I want you to go out of here and make tens of millions of dollars and then give back to your alma mater for the rest of your life um, and go win the world in northern Iraq uh, for Christ. And so it's, it's a phenomenal place. It's a phenomenal opportunity, um, second to none. I think in the country, there's more equity here as far as unrealized in this wonderfully realized university that has been here for nearly 90 years. I'm only the seventh president in 90 years. That's a shocking um, uh, stat, that alone. So, But very excited about that. And then also our cohorts, our online learning is, is uh, taking off by leaps and bounds. So being able to, to deliver affordable, accessible, the DNA of North Central anywhere in the world. So... Well, I, I'm personally excited about what's what's ahead for North Central. I, just a couple more questions to keep you on, uh, and got to get you to chapel, yeah. I'm sure, at some point. <laughs> um, what I, uh, one of the things you talk, talk about a lot or that I've, in my research uh, preparation for this, uh, you have this, and I, you don't have to do the teaching of uh, the, yeah. The two tribes of Israel and the, yeah. the combination of adventure and yeah. stability, yeah. Uh, and I, I just love that. I've uh, meditated on that quite a bit. Uh, with with that, uh, again, you know, I'll encourage people to go find <laughs> find yeah. find it out there. Uh, but with that, uh, would you? What advice would you give to someone who's kind of wrestling? with that balance, I don't know, balance is even the right word for that, uh, of those two, uh, adventure and uh, the stability, any practical kind of uh, steps that you would encourage them to take with that process? Yeah, and again, I look at life through the eyes of a 56-year-old man now. Um, living urgent but not living anxious, finding that space with the urgency and anxiety, um, meaning that, you're going to test the waters over time, your giftings. Um, you're going to um, discover the value and the mutuality of other leaders that bring this complementarian role into your life. So let's say you're, you're an adventurous person, but you need more discipline. You need more um, cadence, more predictability in your life. 
and God will bring partners into your life that will have such a vivid um, example of that that it will break through into your world and you'll actually start patterning your life more disciplined because this person just was so powerful in your life, so close, and you wanted to be more like them and less like, I'm only adventurous, I'm only this Zebulun, you know, that passage in Deuteronomy 33, 18 and 19. Um, but it, it, it takes, no one person can just sit in a room and develop balance. Uh, you're not going to walk <laughs> into a room by yourself and become a balanced person. You're going to only develop balance by your constant interaction with other people and seeing successful people do life that love the Lord, full of the Holy Spirit, and you model your life after them because you understand what's tipping internally inside you. You, And sometimes you're just so disciplined and you look at adventure, adventurous people and you admire them like, I got to get out of my rut. I got to get out of my tent. And I got to take a ride on a ship. So you're more Issachar, you know, the mountain and the tent, unmovable, nothing <laughs> changes. And this guy's like out on the high seas and he's on a ship and like, man, how do you do that? And I just think both of those qualities over time start to mutualize inside the great leader and to where you're more of this always. You're going to be one of the other, more of it. And But if you're self-aware and you're humble and you're connected, you'll start to welcome people and you'll start to get this new balance, maybe in your 40s and 50s, I don't know where it comes from, to where, you know, because I'm, I'm a sanguine, I'm, I'm a visionary, and my first act here was to uh, put a pause on a building project. So when they saw somebody that they perceive as an energetic visionary live mo with moderation and thoughtfulness, it just elevated their confidence that you have a balanced approach uh, to your life. Hey. So kind of a recurring theme of this conversation, which again, I didn't really think we were going here, but uh, it has been the relationships of your life. Um, and so let me ask you this one that I always like to end with. If you have any final ask yeah. uh, of, you know, whether go buy your book or yeah. whatever, those yeah. kind of things right at the end. But uh, any advice on finding those people that you don't have in your life you maybe you see uh, i need more people who are adventurous or i need more people of stability or uh, i need more people who are you know 10 20 years down the road like you talked about earlier or, uh, any advice on uh, how either how to approach those people or find those people that you feel the gap is missing in there yeah you're going you need to find them in the church or the larger church world um you want biblical people that love Christ uh, speaking into your life. It doesn't mean that non-Christians can't give you some wonderful um, advice and wonderful pictures of the future, but fundamentally, you want people that love the Lord. So you want to find them in the church um, and or the church world. You might go to a smaller church and there might be a limited pool of people, but the larger church world is around us. Uh, and you have to... Um, again, go back and be whimsical about your inadequacies. Um, if you're hiding those, shielding those, you know, heads on a swivel, bobblehead, you know, never look anybody in the eye because you don't want them to see your birthmark, you know, um, you, you're never going to grow. So you have to be able to approach people. And sometimes I have found, it's a great question, Kevin, how do we find these people? About half of the time I went after them and the other times they found me. 
So they, someone saw something in me and called uh, greatness out of my life. Um, or I saw greatness in them. And I sought them out and I threw down my net and got into their steps. I didn't expect successful people to call me. I tell young people all the time, listen, no successful person is sitting around thinking about you right now. <laughs> Let it go. Okay. Um, they're not, they're, they're successful because they're busy. So you have to throw down your net and follow them. They're not going to throw down their nets to find you. So you have to be willing to get into their, the steps of their life, especially when you're young, take their classes, travel to meet with them, get inside their world. Um, and don't sit at home thinking, how come nobody's mentoring me? Um, it's just a bad move. <laughs> um, so half the time I found them, and the other times they found me. Um, so I just think I'm open to both ways the conduit happens there. Well, that's, that's really good because <clears throat> you're, you're pursuing greatness in both, both sides of that equation. You're, the, they're pursuing the greatness in you, so you have to work on yourself and keep developing yourself so that people see something yeah. there. And then uh, the other side is uh, putting out, like you said, putting out your net. Uh, so before we wrap up, is there any final asks? Or uh, Again, the, the book is Language of Influence and Personal Power. And, yeah, uh, it's, it's a, I think it's a very um, um, helpful resource. It's fingertip leadership. I don't want to feed the beast with pop culture um, leadership um, pablum or just simple little things. It's, it's really born out of uh, my whole life of leadership, and I've always enjoyed talking in short bullet points. It's just been natural to me long before Twitter and social media. That is kind of how I've always talked. And so uh, it's a lot of companies. Uh, people are using it for personal leadership. Uh, the book is doing very well. FedEx stores just picked it up for right. all their stores uh, around the country. Uh, it's going to all the Walmarts, all the Targets, but it's um, it's doing very well. And it's a it's under a title of a corporate gift book. Um, so companies are getting them to give to employees as gifts. But I think you'll find it as a great, great leadership tool. Language of Influence and Personal Power. It's by Kensington Press. And so, yeah. Very good. Uh, well, I appreciate you being on the show today and uh, taking your time. Well, I wish I was feeling a little better today, but um, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it, Kevin. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with President Hagan. And let me just, uh, before you jump off today, let me encourage you with something. I listen to a lot of podcasts myself just because that's what I enjoy. And there's a danger in a moment like this, especially listening to something where talking about your spiritual journey, that you just go on with the rest of your day and you miss the moment with God. Before you leave this, why don't you take a moment and think about what God would have you to do based on listening to this. Maybe it's uh, signing up for a class in someone who you're hoping will mentor you at some point or going to a service or sending an email to somebody or uh, going through a transition. You need, to, uh, you need some advice so you uh, text a friend. Whatever it is, do something before you go on to your next thing on your you know, to do or your next thing that you're in the process of. So you don't miss out on these moments. It's too easy to miss the gold that God gives us in our lives because we just go on to the next thing. So let me just encourage you with that before you go. And one other th thing along with that, uh, 
If you're looking for the show notes, you can find them uh, at ChristConnection.cc slash podcast. Again, that's ChristConnection.cc slash podcast. Uh, We'll have a link to North Central if you're looking for a place to go to school. Or uh, uh, President uh, Hagen's uh, book, we'll have a link to that as well. And while you're over there, uh, why don't you sign up for... uh, our emails, and then we'll just uh, send you the episodes so you don't have to even think about it. We'll just send it to your inbox. And along with that, we'll also send you a free series on a uh, video series on how to have a fun prayer life because that's uh, uh, one of the things I'm all about is uh, the joy of spending time with Jesus. Uh, so uh, I thank you for listening today. Uh, until next time, uh, again, our website's ChristConnection.cc. This is Kevin Senapati Ratna, and I appreciate you. Your time today. So until next time, thanks for listening.